I love the uh, the donuts hidden. I know they're the, so cute. The I was wondering if you guys would notice. Yeah, I was like, are there any more? And the screen's like very small. So I'm like, no, they're so cute. Welcome, dog moms and dads, to our show where we discuss the everyday joys and challenges of parenting. I'm your host Jen, and I'm Ashley, and this is the Dog Mom Podcast presented by Zippy Paws. Yay! <laughs> All right, and we are back. So today we have a very special guest. I'm very excited to introduce her. Currently, the head of global business development for Daniel Suarez Racing and the face of Motorsport Report. And uh, she's also a pretty big animal lover. Julia Piquet, welcome. Hi, Jen. Hi, Ashley. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to, to be with you guys. Yeah, we're, we're so excited to, uh, to introduce you to our podcast following. We think that uh, we're, we're a little bit of fangirls, I would say. I don't want <laughs> to give up our secrets, but we're, we're very excited to have you. Um, would love to just kind of jump right in and learn a little bit more about you, your background. Um, just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Julia. I'm 29 years old. Um, I'm, you know, whenever whenever someone asks me where I'm from, I'm like, all right, should I give the short answer or the complicated <laughs> answer? Um, so my mother is uh, Dutch and my father is Brazilian. So I always say I'm half half. Um, but I was born in Germany. Um, I actually grew up in France. I lived in France for 14 years. And then I did high school in Brazil. I went to live with my dad. Uh, my parents have been pretty much split my whole life. So I, at 14 and a half, I went to Brazil. I did high school in Brazil. I was, I was there for four years. And then I moved to London. I was in London for a year. And then came over to the US in 2011 um, to, to do college. I went to University of Miami in Florida, uh, lived in Miami for, for about 10 years almost. And uh, in April of 2020, in the middle of the pandemic, I uh, decided to quit my job at motorsport.com and uh, move full-time to, to Charlotte, North Carolina and uh, where I've been for, for two years now, and, and I absolutely love it. And I have the opportunity to work with Daniel, who's a Sippy Paws ambassador. And um, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of change, and it's been a lot of experiencing different places. And uh, I'm really happy where, where I'm, I'm at right now. Wow, I thought I, <laughs> yeah, I, saying, I thought I had a, a multicultural background. My, my family is Filipino and Russian. But I think you, uh, I think you take the cake for that one. <laughs> you know, I get the Russian a lot in Miami. A lot of people asked me if I was Russian and I thought maybe it's cause I'm blonde, but then I went through a period for six months where I, I, I dyed my hair. I was a brunette and they'd still ask me and I thought, well, it's, it's something else. I don't know, but yeah, I, I can see the Russian in you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, that's, I was going to say maybe because you're blonde, but I mean, you're, I think Russian women have this stereotype of being, you know, pretty badass, pretty straightforward, you know, business go-getters. So it might have been personality, too. I can see that. I was just going to say, yeah, it's how you carry yourself, you know. I think something has to be said, too, for, like, facial features and, and like, sort of, like, a strong jawline. But 
I'm like, I'll take it as a compliment, you know, that's all right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, how did you get involved in racing? So I actually come from a background of racing. Um, my family, I come from a family of race car drivers. My dad was a, a race car driver. Um, three of my brothers are, are race car drivers, actually more than that, but some are still professional. Others have, have just do it as a hobby now. Um, so it's it's been a big part of my life since forever. You know, I, I didn't quite get the opportunity to go to races when my dad was was racing because I was still very young. And just about the time when I was born was when he sort of retired from full-time professional racing. But I did see my brother Nelson race a lot. I remember traveling in England a lot to watch uh, him race there at the time he was doing a British championship. And then just just following him, you know, in, in his steps to um, to Formula One and and then racing in, in NASCAR and then being the first Formula E champion. So just had a lot of racers around me all the time. And um, and yeah, and so it just so happens that my boyfriend's a race car driver now. <laughs> I totally was not looking for that at all. <laughs> do you do you feel that that uh, is it? Do you guys talk about that a lot? Is it something that you guys share in common or is it one of those things where you guys both know you have that history and that's kind of where it ends? Um, we definitely talk about racing a lot. Um, that, and that's just partly because that's our lives. You know, we yeah. travel every single weekend to, to a different place for a different race. And that's, you know, three days out of our week where it's a hundred and 10% all about racing. And, and then, you know, during the week, it's not like we're on holiday Monday through Thursday, you know, he goes to the shop, I'm working with sponsor related stuff. So it's always a back and forth of conversations about racing. And, and I don't, I don't say that like as a complaint, like yeah. we love it, you know, we'll have like a dinner date and we'll talk about racing. You know? <laughs> I love it. No, it's yeah. hundred percent. Like when you work with your significant other very closely in, in, you know, your business, this is like a lot of what you talk about is, you know, the trials, tribulations of, of things at work, you know, and headaches and, and it yeah. just comes with the territory, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, and sometimes I feel like you, you also have to sort of find that uh, or set those boundaries in a way, mm -hmm. like, yeah, this is a, an example that I use all the time, but, you know, we'll be in bed like I'm ready to fall asleep. I'm so tired. And then Daniel will be like, hey, what do you think of this helmet design? And I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> yeah, you, you have to check out. That's like so my my husband used to be um, well, he's still a musician, but he used to be a performing musician and I would work really heavily with him. I would help do their social media, their marketing. And it is like you you have to set those boundaries because we'd be at dinner and I'm talking about stuff. He goes, no, I need to shut off. He goes, you need to stop. I can't do this right now. So I, I totally get that. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 you know, Daniel's the kind of person that he can never switch off. So even when it's like, you know, a day where we don't have much planned and it's like kind of rainy outside. He just, he has a really hard time just sitting still on the couch and like watching TV or just being useless for a few hours, you know? <laughs> so I'm like, all right, calm down. Let's just do something else right now. I wish I had that problem. I know me too. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. So uh, I feel like this wouldn't be Dog Mom Podcast if we did not talk about Emma. Honestly, Jen, I know you've heard me gush about her, the cutest dog I've ever seen. I have always had big dogs. I am a big dog lover, and I have never had small dog envy until this girl. She is so freaking cute. Um, so tell, I mean, tell us a little bit more about her. When did you get her? How long have you had her? Um, all the details. And I guess what kind of a dog she is for our listeners too. Absolutely. So her name is Emma. She's an eight-year-old uh, long-haired chihuahua. She's black and white. So a little, a little bit unusual colors for a chihuahua. Um, she's a sweetheart. And, you know, every time someone asks me, what kind of a dog do you have? I always preface it by saying she's a chihuahua but she's not like (laughs) she's not like yappy she's not a pain in the butt she's not aggressive she's like the coolest chihuahua like you've ever met she'll like fetch the ball and just super sweet hardly ever barks and um I've had her since she's uh I think about just about nine weeks old um this was I think in 2014 beginning of 2014 and I really wanted my own small dog. And I thought now's the time because I was in a semester at school where I wasn't taking that many classes. So I was able to stay home more and like, you know, educate and train the dog myself and all that. Um, so yeah, I, I found, you know, it's always best to adopt. Um, I was hell bent on getting a Chihuahua and you know, those are usually one of the first dogs out of the adoption centers. Yeah. Where, you know, everyone wants a small dog. And so yeah. um, I found a breeder in Tennessee, um, small like family mother and or wife and husband with two kids. And they have like a side gig of breeding chihuahuas and saw Emma's picture when she was like, just still like five weeks at the time. And I was just lost it for her. I called them up. I said, I'll, I'll fly in, pick her up. I'll do whatever I have to do. And so I did, I, I flew in, you know, picked oh. her up at the airport when she was nine weeks or 10 weeks, um, flew back with her that same day. I literally didn't even leave the airport and, uh, yeah, have had her ever since she's such an incredible dog. I can't say enough about her. Obviously I'm biased, but she is like the most well-behaved, just, bundle of joy I've ever had. Oh, I love it. Well, so it sounds like you're probably a large part of the reason that she's not a typical chihuahua, right? Like if she, I think you have to take some credit, especially as, as dog moms, like we've, we've seen those misbehaved dogs. And I think so often we always want to put that on the dog, right? Like, oh, the dog is so well behaved or the dog is so bad, but it's a lot of training and it's a Mm -hmm. lot of hard work. Oh, it is. And you know, you, you have to yourself be disciplined to not let the dog's cuteness and whatnot take over, you know, like if she yeah, pees guilty the carpet, <laughs> or if she has like a little accident, like you have to dis- be disciplined to, you know, discipline the dog so that she or he will know, you know, I can't do this. And so I've always been very strict about that. I'm very strict about not giving her food off of the table because then you have suddenly you have a dog that's like begging all the time. And like mm-hmm. I sit with my mom and I'm like, don't give my dog any food. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Daniel, once in a while, will sneak her some food off of the plates. And so sure mm-hmm. enough, whenever we're having dinner or lunch, or she's something, on that side of the table. She's, on, yeah. she's with him climbing up his leg, trying to get food <laughs> from his plate. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's always it's always the guys because my husband's that way, too. 
I don't is mm-hmm. is Nick that way too, Jen? He he tells me that I shouldn't give the dogs anything, but it's him that's giving the dogs little scraps of food. Yeah. So, I think yeah. it's because they know that the dogs prefer us, the mamas. So they're like, all right, food's the only way that I can <laughs> yeah. lure them in. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I see that. Um, so uh, does Emma have any fun little quirks about her? I feel like every dog has always has something. What's your uh, what's your favorite thing about her? Um, so she has this thing where I think it's a nervous tick. It has to be. She does this kind of nervous stretch and she does it very often so if she's you know at the back of the room and I'll call her she'll come or she'll come closer and then she'll do like a big stretch where her like two front paws are stretched out and her butt's in the air and then I'm like Emma come on and then she like comes a little more and she does the stretch again and I'm like (laughs) gotta be a nervous tick (laughs) I love it I love it so from what we've seen on your social media as well, it seems like you're a big proponent of both physical health and mental health. And what role do you think animals play in the mental health department? This is something that is very near and dear to me. I think that we can learn so much from animals and they have so much to give, but I would love to hear your take on that. Yeah. And, you know, I've always known that animals have a huge effect on people's well-being and 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 spirit and and mood but i don't think i quite realized that until in the last few years where there are certain trips i've had to take on my own and i wasn't able to bring emma with me and i would like notice that my anxiety was so much higher traveling without her being there with me um or you know there were times where we had to like travel for a week and just couldn't take her for for whatever reason and then even if it's like a road trip somewhere you know and i it's just so visible that when she's without me i just i get a little bit more anxious you know i get just not as comfortable and um and so it, i mean it's it's a big thing you know i i mean whenever she's around and i'm upset like i'll i'll grab her i'll pet her and and you know, you immediately feel better. And it's just something that you can't explain. And I think if someone doesn't quite understand it, they may think it's a little bit BS, but it's, yeah, couldn't be farther from that. Yeah. I, uh, I actually get really severe flight anxiety and it, oh gosh, it had to have been over a decade ago with my first dog. And I, my doctor was like, you know, you should think about flying with her. And I was like, I'm not going to fly with a dog. He goes, you should try it. And I, I spent, it's also probably because we spend so much time. This was my, my initial theory was I spent so much time making sure she was okay, making sure she wasn't scared. She wasn't stressed out. She was behaving that I just didn't have time to have anxiety. But I mean, I, I, I agree completely. I think every time I fly with, with my dogs, it, it makes it a lot easier. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, it's one thing when you have a service animal, um, which I, I, or emotional support animal, which, you know, when, as it comes to traveling, um, first of all, let me backtrack. Daniel and I have the good fortune of, you know, traveling every weekend on these, um, chartered, uh, flights that every, all the teams take. So they share like these airplanes, right? So it's not like your usual go to the you know, commercial airport yeah. check and all that. We're just like into the plane and back to Charlotte or or to work, wherever he's racing that that month or that weekend. Um, so you know, we don't have to go through like 
paying extra for the dog or having this extra paperwork that we have to show. So that's, I'm really lucky when it comes to that because I, I haven't done the whole emotional support thing. Um, just cause that's just, I don't understand it very well. I don't like gray areas when I go to travel with my dog, you know? Yeah. So I'm at a point right now where I'd rather just pay the $125 a leg yep. and, and just not even have the added anxiety of, of having it's a lot on a flight. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. And the information out there is just, you've got someone saying something, one airline saying something else. And I just feel like I don't, as much as I try and research it, I don't quite understand it. So it's. Yeah. And then there's the added, you know, anxiety of like, if you're flying one airline and all your paperwork is okay, but then you fly another airline and they stop you at the gate saying, you need, you know, this shot to be updated or something. So you can't even fly with your pet that day. So I, I feel like that's something that also holds people back in, in doing that because it's just, you never know, right? And you really don't want that anxiety on, you know, travel day. And another thing is too, you know, it's also your, your experience, whether you have a service, emotional support, or you're just paying for an in-cabin pet, it's very, your, your experience is very dependent on the person you get, like from the mm -hmm. person you get at the counter to the yeah. person that's welcoming you on the flight. Like you have the person that's zero strict, super easygoing, like, yep, you pay this, you're good. You know, you're off you go. And then you have the person that's like, nope, you got to like zip her in. You got to do this. You got to yeah. make sure yeah. you're like all up in your face about everything. So I've had both you know, ends of the spectrum. And so that's another factor that you just can't control. You know, that just depends who you, who you interact with as well. Yeah. And yeah, that, 100%. that's shocking too, because she's so small. She's act, she's literally carry on size. So to think that you have issues, it makes me, it makes me feel better because mine is 65 pounds. And like, we always get, we get side eye we get, you know, people are like, Oh, does he really is he really a, a therapy animal? And cause that's the other end of it too, is that there's always people. And I know we're, we're taught at such a young age to not care what people think, but there's such a negative stigma right now with emotional support animals, even with service animals, um, because so many people take advantage of it. So if you get, it's kind of like you were saying, if you get on a flight with someone who's had a really bad prior experience, they're going to take that out on you. And it's just not a, not a good experience all around. Oh, no, for sure. And listen, my mom's been through her fair share of traumatic experiences when it comes to flying with dogs. I mean, she has a, a, a an emotional support dog and she's flown in the U.S. with her dog a few times. And my mom can be already pretty complicated as is. And so she's I've just learned from her. I'm like, I'm just going to pay my share and, and <laughs> the one that added, you know, trouble. But you know, I, I can see where if you're legitimately in need of a, an emotional support dog, $125 each way, that's not even a round trip. That's true. You know, it's a hefty sum. And so I think that, I don't, I honestly, I wish that dogs had passports just as, you know, we did. And yes. I wish that, you know, you could tell, okay, this dog has been on like 50 flights, has never had an issue or a complaint. And so they can just either chill or reduce the fee or you know yeah. know that they don't have to be on the lookout for that dog versus a dog that maybe 
is a constant pain on the plane. And, you know, I don't know. I just, I wish they sorted it out and made it a little bit more easy because it, it certainly isn't. I feel like you're onto something. That's, mm-hmm. that's right. Genius. I would. Should they be like on a no flight list that, if they've yeah. had, you know, multiple <laughs> bad experiences? That would be Tova. <laughs> Tova would never be allowed on an airplane ever. <laughs> that would be a cute poster. <laughs> that would be cute. Banned. <laughs> well, it sounds like, it sounds like you do travel with Emma quite a bit. It sounds like she comes to the track a lot. Uh, and that's, that's a lot of travel across the board. And I think that that's something that we've heard from our listeners that they're interested in. It's something as a company we're, we're trying to kind of spread awareness with in terms of, of traveling with a dog. And what, what have you learned personally about traveling with her? Do you have tips and tricks? Um, and then we'll get into some travel horror stories with pets because I feel like everyone who's traveled with a dog or a cat has one. Um, but yeah, like what, what have you, have you learned specifically? I mean, I feel like you got her and immediately got on a plane. So she was, she's been on, she's been flying since she was weeks old. She is. And, and, and honestly, maybe I'm not the best person to ask just cause she is so well behaved, but no, I think the most important things when you travel with a pet is that you always want to make sure that, you know, they're able to relieve themselves like as close as possible to your flight time. So, you know, when I arrive at the airport, I always try and find a patch of grass for her to relieve herself or as close as I can before I actually walk into the airport. Cause you know, sometimes they can get a little stressed out and then they don't want to do it afterwards. There are these like dedicated sort of rooms for like, you can go to the potty, your dog can go potty. And I know that sometimes she's not, she like gets in there and there's like too many smells and there's too many too much yeah. going on around. So I always make sure that she's good before. Um, always carry a little container that I can put a little bit of water in there and give and remember to give to her throughout the flight. Um, food, you know, I'm always checking if she's hungry. Um, aside from that, honestly, she's great. And, I, and I've never had to do really long flights where you know, I'm at a point where I'm desperate trying to get her to go to the bathroom. You know, sometimes I'll notice that she hasn't been to the bathroom in a while. And what I'll do is I'll go in like a handicap stall and I will literally put a pee pad on the floor and I'll like instruct her to pee. And it's a 75, 25 chance she will, unless there's too much going on around and she's distracted. But she's honestly, she's a, she's a champ to travel with. That's, that's actually a really good idea. Mm-hmm. I don't think either of my dogs are well behaved enough to pee on a on a pad on command. I would yeah, I would yeah. I would love for them to be that trained, but how how does Emma do traveling at the tracks? Does the noise that's something that I'm always curious about because I've I've become pretty involved in NASCAR just with the last year and we've been to some of the tracks and we see people camping with their dogs and that I mean, I have one dog, obviously Bjorn, who's very well behaved. Um, but then I think of my other one, Tova, who's just, she's scared. She's a rescue. And I feel like the noise would just make her so nervous. Is Emma just pretty used to it at this point? Um, well, so we, we bring Emma to the track when our motorhome is at the track because, and our motorhome goes to about, I want to say 85%, 90% of races. Um, We don't usually take the motorhome to the West coast, for example, just because it's too long of a, of a trip, but you know, so when she does come to the track, she's always in the motorhome. 
I don't think it's the noise that really gets her sort of anxious or, or whatnot. I mean, she's, you know, chihuahuas themselves tend to shake a lot. So, you know, whenever we, we leave the motorhome and, we're, you know, we're doing something or Daniel's driving or, and then we, or we go for dinner and we come back, she's always like shaking, like super happy to see us, but it's not that she's, you know, like when we have thunder, for example, she doesn't really care um she's not really huge into noises so i don't know i don't know if it's just that she really doesn't like being in the motorhome on her own just because she's yeah. not quite sure what the environment is around her where she is and and of course you have the sounds and whatnot but other than that obviously she's she's really really chill like when we're when we're walking to the to the plane to either go back home to charlotte or if we're traveling to a race like i won't even put her her leash on she'll just she Go knows all the way to the plane like she owns the place like she's I love it. super easy going so she's basically perfect basically perfect <laughs> i uh, see that i feel like that negates my other question then because i was going to ask if you have a travel horror story and i was going to proceed it by sharing mine and now i don't know if i want to because she's so perfect <laughs> julia's going to come back and say oh well I was holding her during an interview and she hiccuped once. And that's going to be like the worst thing she's ever done. No, no, please do share. Um, so it was the first year that I worked at Zippy Paws and we have a trade show in Las Vegas. And it luckily Vegas is close enough where we can drive. And we had Bjorn. We only had one dog at the time. And my mom does. A, she's a great dog grandma. She always watches the dog. And so we had dropped him off the night before we were going to leave. And we have two cats as well. Cats are like, we were only going to be gone for a couple of days. We figured we'll just leave them. They'll be fine. The morning we were supposed to leave, our black cat woke up with his eyes swollen out of his head. We're like, oh my gosh, take him to the emergency vet. They tell us he's going to be fine, but he needs eye drops every four hours. And I really needed my husband's help at this show. So we were kind of figuring out like, okay, do... Does he stay home with the cats? And then we had this genius idea. We'll just take the cats with us. Fine. My, my, my husband brought Poe, our boy cat, into our relationship, and I came with Aria. Aria, like Emma, is perfect. Poe, I love him to death, but <laughs> screamed the entire four-hour drive there, just like death meowing. And we're like, okay, he's going to get to the room, and he's going to be fine. Got to the room. Arya's traveled with me before, so she got on the bed, was fine. He cried for 48 hours straight. And it was so bad. We could my husband didn't even end up helping because one of us had to be in the room with him all the time because we were afraid that housekeeping was gonna boot him out. I don't know how no one complained. Uh I think Jen came up the next day and we had bags under our eyes because we didn't sleep, but uh <laughs> Well, no, he, he ended up being fine. We were able to give him his medicine and we took care of him, but like, oh, never no. screaming never. cats can drive you nuts for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't get the sleep that you need after like a long day at the trade show too, which is really important. Oh, it was. Uh, yeah. And I, our cats get along so well, but I, I swear that, that Aria wanted to kill him too. We were just like, <laughs> we tried to put him in the bathroom and take shifts and maybe shut the door, like just, just nothing. We're like, all right, this is our life now. And so he, uh, Poe does not travel with us. Yeah, it's crazy how some cats just take to it and others are just, it can just be such polar opposites. Like my cats 
One of them is totally fine. You can stick her in the, in, in the car with you and take a trip and grab some food and she's awesome. The other one will like cry the entire way. I, I just go figure, you don't know why. Yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah, like my, I have a backpack for my girl cat. I'm that person. I've taken her on walks around the neighborhood. She <laughs> loves it. I feel like Poe, like we just don't mess around with it. He does, he does not leave the house anymore. <laughs> Poe. <laughs> yeah, we've got Poe and Aria. Um, do you, obviously it's probably not at that level. Do you have a travel horror story? And Jen, I feel like you can probably chime in on this as well, right? Yeah, I'll let Julia go first. Um, so I have a, a travel story, but it's, it's not like that bad. I do have a horror story, but it's not travel. Do you want to hear that one? Yeah. I want to hear both. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'll give you the worst one first. Cause I almost like lost it. So I was living in Miami at the time and Emma must've been, gosh, like no no older than than one year old like she was just very very young and at the time I was babysitting my mom's other chihuahua who's shorter hair just a little bit stronger built than than Emma and I was also taking care of a friend's Rottweiler and so we were at a park myself and all three dogs and all three of them are great off the leash so we're like we have like a field of of grass and I'm just like throwing the ball and this is like noon, like in the Monday or in the Miami heat, like peak heat, like it's so hot. I'm in a tank and I'm, I'm getting these dogs running, right? Next thing you know, Emma has what I immediately recognized as a heat stroke. <gasps> and we, I think we like all kind of gathered under the, under a tree and she just sort of kind of fell on her back with her like paws sort of up in the air. And she was like, it was some almost like convulsion like, and she just looked really weird. And I just freaked out and I, I picked her up. I like grabbed the other dogs. The park was right in front of the apartment building where I lived. I like sprinted the hell back into the, the building, into my apartment got Emma literally put her under the sink in like running cold water so she would just you know cool down cool down yeah called my vet like jumped into the car took her straight to the vet they kept her for the rest of that day and overnight and yeah and indeed she had had a heart uh, a heat stroke and I remember picking her up from the vet the next day and brought her home and it was the evening and I was I was sitting in my bed and I, I had her like right next to me and she just looked you know like when she's got like a zombie look in her face like she wasn't very responsive to things she was kind of a little bit more slow and I was like oh my gosh she's like brain damaged for life and sure enough you know the days went on and she got better and better and she was back to herself but that was one thing that I will I mean has scarred me for life like I will never let her play in the noon sun ever again like I'm always so so cautious of where I leave her and making sure it's cool enough and yeah, yeah that was that was a day that was like really it's like, really it's like giving me chills <laughs> yeah that's so so scary I mean, you're I'm sorry the- you went through that and you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, you, you, you yeah. know, you're not a vet. You're like, this dog is like the most important thing in my life. And it was, oof, it was just yeah, crazy time. I'd be 
I would be unconsolable, inconsolable. I think uh, Jen knows this too. I am like the neurotic dog mom where as soon as anything happens, I'm like on the phone with the vet, like, listen, this doesn't seem right. And they're like, well, can you tell us something definitive? I'm like, no, something seems off. Can I get an emergency visit? And they're like, but sure enough, we take them in and it's like, oh yeah, actually it looks like he might have a stomach virus. I'm like, see, I told you. (laughs) Yeah. It's It's that intuition, right? You know, your dog usually doesn't behave like this. And when they have like exhibits of like signs of, you know, discomfort, you're like, okay, something's wrong. Right. And you're really good at taking them to the vet. And whereas I'm like, "Hmm, I don't know, should we, should we not? And then we take them and then Birdie has like full on kidney failure. So I'm like, okay, we should just listen to our intuition, you know? So you're, you're, you're not giving yourself enough credit. I think you're a a pretty damn good dog mom. I I just trust my husband's judgment. He's, he's much better at it than, than I am. Oh, Nico's I mean, terrible. No one knows our dogs better than we do. I mean, yeah. when it comes to Emma, for example, you know, if I wake up in the morning and she, like, I can tell as soon as I wake up, if she's strange about something, like a few mm-hmm. weeks ago, she woke up and, or we woke up and she was just very needy and she was just coming on to us. And she's not usually like that in the morning. And I was like, something is up with Emma. And Daniel's like, no, no, you know, she seems fine to me. And I'm like, no, she's, she's acting a little weird. And I think we had forgotten to take her out the night before. And so she she had an accident on the carpet. Oh. So she, I guess she like, we were waking up and she already knew that like she was going to get, yeah. you know, oh, right. She's like, she was sorry, like, don't get mad. Exactly, exactly. And I was like, I knew it. I knew something was yeah. wrong. <laughs> Oh, poor thing. I, I, our dogs do that too. Like they'll, they'll have an accent and it's very rare, but they, they look like they feel so bad. I'm like, I'm not mad at you. We're not bad to you. Why are you so concerned? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So before we kind of wrap this up, I do want to take a moment to kind of give your other fur babies a quick shout out, because I know you have two rescue cats. Um, I've already talked about my cats, so I, we all know where my heart lies. I, I love mine, but how how do your cats get along with Emma? Because I understand they're they're fairly recent rescues, right? Yeah. So we have two cats, uh, Nikki and Pepper. Nikki we got in January of 2021, and Pepper we just got in January of this year. Um, and you know, so at first we only had Nikki with Emma, and Emma's always gotten along fine with other cats. So I knew that that wasn't going to be an issue. Um, and it, you know, Nikki and Emma always got along pretty fine. I mean, um, Nikki is a bit of a bully, you know, she, she, I net, Emma is four pounds and Nikki must be, I don't know, maybe eight. So double what Emma is. And so she'll like hide and, and jump out of the corner and scare Emma or like she'll walk oh. up to her really fast and Emma will like get a little scared, but she doesn't do anything. Now, when we got Pepper in January, that completely shifted the dynamics between our animals at home because suddenly you have Pepper, who's like the new, you know, the new cat on the block and she's super feisty and she's not scared of anything. And she already like, you know, came into the house, like exploring everything and everyone and all the cracks and corners. And so Nikki she like started hissing at Pepper. She was just totally not happy. Like it, it took them, 
it took Nikki about three weeks for her to stop like hiding in different areas of the house and just to be able to be in the same room as Pepper. And I'll tell you, Pepper is the best thing that's ever happened to Emma, our dog, because now Emma doesn't get bullied. The two cats play with each other now and they run after each other and Emma is left alone. She's like, I'm loving this. (laughs) That's so, yeah, cats are... And introducing cats is a whole different beast. I feel like with dogs, you throw them together, you know, carefully, you watch the signs, but they're fine by the end of the day. Cats, they told us when we, when my husband moved in with me, um, they told us that it could take anywhere from three weeks to three months. And they were not wrong. It took a long time for them to not hiss at each other, not puff up when the other one walked by. They're just, they're very dramatic. (laughs) Totally. And listen, my mom, I grew up with cats. We had like five cats at a time. And so I can see how as someone who maybe has never had a cat or is just, you know, new at adopting one or two cats, like I can see how that must be nerve wracking because now you're like, well, I have two cats and they're not getting along. And so you don't really know how long do they need? Are they going to be like this forever? Um, so yeah, no, after, after about three weeks, a month, they, they started like slowly, slow, like playing. And then now they're sleeping on the same bed and they're in the same cat tree. And it's, it's so awesome to see them together, you know, because when we travel on the weekends, we don't take the cats, you know, and it's only like maybe two nights that we spend somewhere else. Um, if it's any more than that, we'll always have like someone come by and check in on the cats, but I love that they're together, you know, because that makes me feel better that they have each other's company. They play with each other and it just makes it less frustrating not being here, you know? Yeah. That's, uh, that's how we feel about ours too. Um, so I also hear that you guys tend to find other animals, right? What is this? I I'm hearing about rescuing a bird. Yeah, so last year, actually it happened twice, but last year towards the end of the year, someone, we were at the gym and someone that we know brought in this bird that they found on the side of the street and didn't know what to do with it. So they knew that we liked animals and um, we tried to get a hold of a a rehabilitation center or of some sort, but I think it was the weekend, I can't remember. And so they weren't going to open till Monday. So we kept this bird for like a day and a half and, you know, made sure that it stayed alive and and got some wet dog food and with a little pipette was you know feeding the bird every every few hours I I have no idea how old it was um and to be quite honest with you I still don't know what the right thing to do is when you find a bird on the street or in a garden or 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 where have you there are people that say no you should just like leave it there and not mess with it other people are like well just sort of analyze the environment and if you think it might be in danger you know maybe take it somewhere I'll be honest I don't know I want to do the right thing and I don't always know what the right thing to do is um so that can be challenging sometimes yeah I've heard the same thing I think it's something to do with if the bird is young enough and has just fallen this this is all non-factual this is what I've heard um is that if the bird is small enough and for whatever reason has fallen out of its nest if the mom is nearby there's still a chance that the mom will come and and quote-unquote rescue the baby but they won't if you touch it and it has a strange scent so I think what you are saying Julia about analyzing the situation um maybe watch for a little bit and see if anything comes back and then 
I mean, it's just, it's so hard to watch an animal on the side of, of the road or on the street or in the park and not do anything. I know it's especially when, you know, you could have cats around and cats, I mean, they could just straight up eat it. <laughs> so it's like, well, do I take the chance or, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's a tough call. I remember once actually this happened last year as well. We were driving back from Daniel and myself were driving back from, I can't remember where, but there was a turtle crossing the street and Daniel stopped in the middle of the lane, stopped traffic, the whole shebang, grabbed the turtle, put, it was a pretty big turtle, put it in the back of the, of the truck. And we have a pretty big lake close by to our house. So we thought, okay, we'll, we'll take it there to the lake. And we bring it home. It was maybe like 25 minutes away from where we were from. And, you know, we, sure enough, we put it on the dirt and it goes off into the water and, and seems happy. Right. But then I think we like, looked up um and it said that if you're tr if you're saving a turtle you should just make sure that it gets to the other side of the road where it wants to go and like don't actually relocate it and so I felt yeah. so bad after I'm like <laughs> took him away from his family who's just trying to like get back to the other side of the street poor guy and now he's like in some new lake <laughs> like his wife was like, like on the other side of the road like come back <laughs> He's like, where am I? <laughs> we've, we've done that with, with possums. We have possums everywhere. And my poor husband, he doesn't dislike any animal, but possums are not his favorite. And we always have babies that play dead. And I always try to like scoop them up with a whole bunch of dirt. So I don't touch them. And I move them in front of our place. Cause we have neighbors that try to catch them and I'm not entirely sure what they do with them. So I've become the crazy possum lady. I leave out cat food for them. So we now have, I think, three feral cats that live in our front yard, tons of possums. But I like to think of it as just enhancing the natural circle because we also don't have rat problems and we don't have bug problems. So they're just, you know, they're living their life. But we, we try to rescue everything. We've never rescued a turtle. Turtles are really cool, though. Turtles are cool. And actually there are a lot of them around here. Daniel's rescued a few of them before. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't have never have guessed. Yeah. I would like Florida. I would understand. I did see a turtle like uh, on a walk just in my neighborhood one time. Um, it was kind of like in, in the, in the woods a little bit. Right. But like, it's really dry out here. So we were thinking that this was someone's pet and they were just like taking a walk maybe. So we were, we were thinking like, what do we do with it? Like, where do yeah. we put it? Um, and then we're like, okay, maybe, maybe he's just taking a walk away from his house, you <laughs> know, clear his head. So we just kind of like guided it back down to where there were houses and hopefully he's, he went back home. So <laughs> Was it a, I think they're, do we have turtles out here or are they tortoises? I, think I have no like, clue. I, I think they're the desert tortoises. It didn't know. look like a tortoise. It looked like, you know, a like house, a, like a, pet, like a pet. Yeah, it was like oh. a foot foot wide, maybe. Just going you know, for it. I have so much respect for um, people who just find these random animals, like, in the forest or on the side of the roads like there are some animals that I think if I found them and if they were hurt you know obviously I try to make the best educated decision I can to help this animal out but sometimes just such weird animals that you'll stumble upon and I'll see these Instagram videos of like you know animals being saved and it's like 
an eagle that like flies into someone's car yeah. and has a broken wing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's like the craziest thing ever. Yeah. How do you help this pet now? My yeah. gosh. Yeah, I feel like I wouldn't even know what to do with it, you know, where to take it or, or what, you know, what to do. So it's amazing that people can do that. I think it's nice. I just think it shows it shows a level of compassion that you don't necessarily see as frequently. And it's just it, it, it feels so wholesome. Jen laughs at me. I've been following this ridiculous YouTube series about a man that saved a lobster from <laughs> a lobster tank at the grocery store took it home and it, it has like this whole series on YouTube now about how the lobster like was not doing well and now it's totally different color. It's happy and I'm so invested in it. And now my poor husband is like, please do not come home with the lobster. We can't, <laughs> we, can't we cannot do that. But I like, I think there's maybe three YouTube series that I click subscribe to and one of them is this random dude that rescued a lobster and I'm so it like there it's so cool to see because you don't get that interaction I knew nothing about lobsters I've learned so much <laughs> I love that I would love to check that out I've seen um I think I can't remember what the Instagram account is called I think it's called the dodo and they always have these great mm -hmm. videos on them and there's this one woman she went to the grocery store and found a a, a a ladybug is that what it called yeah a ladybug like on on whatever pro produce she was oh I've seen buy. this I think and she, I don't know what was wrong with the ladybug if she looked like she had a wing that wasn't right but this mm. lady like filmed the whole thing like took the ladybug home made a little like thing for it to eat and and like you said I mean ladybug came back to life suddenly her like wing is repaired and they've like had this like bonding process between right. ladybug and it's like, I'm so invested in this now. Yeah. Yeah. I'll send you the link for the, uh, I think his name is Leon the lobster. We should probably share that with our followers too. Cause mm, someone's going to want to we'll check it out. This guy's going to get an influx of, of views. And he's like, who are all these dog people? <laughs> all right. So in closing, I do have one more question. Um, and I think we have a Q and a with Daniel coming up on the zippy pause channel. I'm going to ask him this too. So don't tell him so he can't plan his answer. Um, <laughs> who do you think would be a better driver, a dog or a cat and why? I think a cat. Yeah. I think a cat because I think that dogs can sometimes be too distracted and depending on the, it has to be the right kind of cat though. <laughs> it has to be one of those cats that's like super, super hard headed, super determined. You know, you have some cats that are like that. Um, I would have to say a cat. Yeah. I just feel like they're just more ruthless. You know, they'd be like a ruthless race car driver. Yeah. That's what I told Nico and he laughed at me. So really? now we've got, yeah, we've got two for team cat. Jen, what do you think? I would say Team Cat too, you know, um, just from what I hear from Nick about like what makes a good race car driver, I think dogs, well, especially my two dogs, they're too, they're way too distracted, like you said, Julia, like they'll yeah. see something, they're like, oh, I like that, what's that, you know, and they'll just like go and follow that thing. So they're, they're not in the right like mental headspace to be, you know, f solely focused 
on um you know one end goal i think so i mean i haven't had cats so i don't know you know if if but just in comparison knowing my own dogs i'm like they're not gonna be good race car drivers yeah i think uh (laughs) i think the distracted part makes a lot of sense for why dogs might not be the better option i just think that mike like when Aria is focused on something, she is vicious. Like you do not get in her way. She's focused. She wants it. She's very tenacious. So I like, I base it off of, off of my own cats, but yeah, Mm. I agree. All right. So we've got three for team cat. Yeah. I'm like maybe half because when Birdie has a pine cone, she is very determined and she doesn't let go. Um, so maybe I'm like halfway in between. (laughs) I think like cats are way more calculated than dogs, you know, like you can't always anticipate what they're going to do if they feel like, oh my gosh, I have a funny story actually real quick. My cats don't ask me why. If you need to go to them to pick them up for whatever reason, you want to brush them, put their necklace on, whatever it is. It's like, they know that you're coming to pick them up and they will bolt. Mm-hmm. But if five minutes later you don't need them and you're just walking right by them, it it's like they know that you're not going to pick, you're not going to pick them up. And so they're just yeah. chilling there. And so that's why I say that they're like very, like you can never determine what they're going to do. They're very sort of calculated. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, in that, in that sense, I think they'd be a great, great race car driver. We'll have to make this a poll for Zippy Paws too, because I want to know what everyone thinks. And if you're listening to this, comment and let us know who you think would be a better driver and why. You, you, I, I need reasons, right? So I can compile everyone's data and see. But I think uh, it's really looking like Team Cat. Mm-hmm. Team Cat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Julia, thank you so, so much uh, for coming on and talking to us, bearing with us through. Uh, through Zoom technology. Thank you, Zoom, for cutting off halfway through this uh, this chat. But we we appreciate you so much. We have had so much fun working with you and with Daniel. We can't wait to see what the future brings, right? But we'd love to give our followers a chance to follow you if you want to share your social channels so they can check out all the work that you do as well. Absolutely. Um, I think across most social channels, it's just at Julia PK. Um, last name spelled P-I-Q-U-E-T. And uh, yeah, I'm active on Instagram, Twitter mainly. And uh, thank you guys so much for having me. It's It's been a pleasure. And um, yeah, I loved sharing my story a bit. Yeah, thank you so much. So if you guys want to boop that follow button, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Dog Mom Podcast. And our website, www.zippypaws.com backslash Dog Mom Podcast. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks, bye.